This episode is being sponsored by Plymouth Place. Imagine a private orchestra concert in your own backyard or early morning Tai Chi to center your day. This is Plymouth Place in LaGrange Park, Illinois. As innovators in inspired living, Plymouth Place caters to vibrant and changing lifestyles. With resort-like amenities, fabulous cuisine, and beautiful residences, including the Arboretum, Arboretum Villas, their new community for adults ages 62 plus. Learn how they make each day exemplary at PlymouthPlace.org or call 708-859-7152. Hi, I'm Catherine. And hi, I'm Gail. And we welcome you to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, creativity, and courage. Members enjoy monthly programming and probing discussions, and we hope to see you there. And today we're delighted to be talking with Susan Cartland Bodie, age 85, who was born with the gift of music. Music and theater have been big drivers all of her life. Susan debuted at Orchestra Hall in 1978 and was a frequent guest soloist with the Lake Forest Symphony. These are in Illinois. Mm. She currently performs solos in Dole Hall at Plymouth Place, a resident community in LaGrange Park, Illinois. She sings with the Plymouth Place Singers and <laughs> also directs the Singing Sages, a group that offers sing-along programs for residents in the upper levels of care. The joy of music has sustained Susan through her own hard times of divorce and illness, mm -hmm. and she believes in the power of music for the aging mind. Susan is happily married to her husband of almost 40 years, Hank Bodie. They have a blended family with five married children, 10 grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. Susan and Hank have been living happily at Plymouth Place since 2019, and as Susan said, the best decision they've ever made. So welcome, Susan, to Women Over 70, and we thank our premium sponsor, Plymouth Place, for referring you to us. Well, and thank you very much. Uh, I was delighted when Nitsa, who is our marketing director for the Arboretum Villas, said that you would be calling me. And I, this is a whole new experience for me. So I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with you today. So thank well, you. That's great. Well, let's have you provide some context for us, because you've been engaged with music and theater in so many ways, so you know, most of your life. So can you give us a, a glimpse into all these different ways you're engaged? Well, um, I think going back to the very beginning, my mother and dad said that I came out singing. So uh, I've been involved with music since I was very little. Um, I think my parents were not at all musical, but the fact that I crawled up on the piano bench and started playing music on the piano that I had heard on the radio. This was during, I was probably three or four years old at the time. So fortunately, my mom had very good friends in musical circles. So she uh, made sure that I got the very best instruction possible. I realized looking back now that my dear folks never took a vacation, never did much for themselves. We were very modestly uh, <laughs> situated um, despite living in River Forest. And um, 
I think it was because they knew how important it was for my sister and me to get, you know, the very best instruction. So I started piano lessons when I was five. I added violin lessons when I was eight. And my par parents bought me a full-size violin. So I was always propping my hand <laughs> elbow on the table. And then um, I started voice lessons when I was a sophomore in high school, but I had been singing all along. So singing was re really my most important thing. So um, I went ahead to have multiple degrees, and, you know, all this performance experience, which I will not go into, but I would have to say that at this point in my life, I realized how much joy um, the singing and having these groups that go to the memory care and to assisted living and all means to me. And for all of the important things that I did in my past, right now is just the best. I, I'm just loving it. We do enjoy Plymouth Place so much and the opportunities for uh, resident uh, activities are numerous. If you have an idea, you want to start something by George, I'll give you a staff member and you can do it. So that's kind of where I'm focused right now. And it's a great pleasure. <laughs> so you, what, what do you think the residents get out of your um, gift of singing? Well, I think um, there are two levels. First of all, I do sing some solos and at 85, I'm happy that I can still do that. I never dreamed that that would be possible, but mm -hmm. fortunately I had very good voice training. And so I've been able to preserve my instrument. But I think the thing that they get out of it is um, bringing back memories of their past. I, I try to sing familiar music, even if I'm doing a solo for a worship service. And so it's a chance for them to revisit you know, their, their past. I know definitely in the memory care and the assisted living and the, to a uh, a lesser degree at the assisted living level, those with memory issues, the fact that we sing songs like Home on the Range, How Much Is That Doggy in the Window, the patriotic songs, God Bless America, and so forth and so on, really just lights up their life for just a few minutes. And it just, um, our group, both the singing sages as well as the Plymouth Place singers seem to bring joy to the residents. So it's just a thrill to do. It's wonderful. You play the fiddle also? Well, I would play the violin for many years. And then I um, put it aside because, of course, singing was taking up a lot of time. And then um, in about, I think I was about 75, I decided it was time to do something kind of fun. So I wanted to, you know, kind of brighten up my brain and brighten up my life. So I dug out my violin and I tuned it up and I was, we, we have a vacation home on Cape Cod. And so there's a tradition of Irish fiddle music out there. And so I took some fiddling lessons and then I was able to go to the sessions when, and just fit in. And the good news about fiddling is that if you don't get it the first time around, you can get it the next time. And there's no, it's a very congenial and collegial group of people that do this. The only problem was that I found that these uh, sessions start about nine o'clock at night, which is kind of our bedtime. So with that, I decided to put together programs of Irish music where I would sing and then I would play the fiddle. And, um, you know, it was just a lot of fun. I did it for about four or five years. And then I had um, breast cancer surgery and I decided on a mastectomy. And so with that, 
um, it was kind of painful when I tried to play the fiddle again. I put some padding there and it, it dulled the sound. So basically I put my fiddle away again and I have just, um, it's just still there in the closet and maybe I'll pull it up one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> were you uh, were you playing the Irish music at, at Cape Cod or also did you bring that to Plymouth Place? I, I did bring it back. Well, not, this was before Plymouth Place. Um, oh. So it was in Oak Park where we lived at the time in Oak Park and River Forest. And I, I was performing for church groups and for the, the same thing that I've always done with my singing groups. I had a group called the singing, um, the joyful singers. My gosh, all these singing names, it's kind of hard to keep them straight. But this was a group of women that I put together um, just because somebody said, could you do a program of Christmas music? And I thought, I don't want to do this by myself. So I called all my choir friends and anybody that I knew in music. So we had a group of 10 women who um, would give programs. So with that, I had the Irish music that I added to the program. And so I don't know, we've just been a mixed bag all along. <laughs> do you and Patty Holman sing together? Yes, we do. I feel very privileged. Thank you for asking, because Patty is a very dear friend, and he is such an exceptional human being. Not only is he a wonderful singer, but he is just one of the nicest persons that, and I've never met a tenor that was more congenial and uh, and so nice to work with. Um, usually tenors are a little ta-ta, you know, and so <laughs> uh, Patty is certainly is doesn't fit that rule at all. At any rate, Patty and I um, are going to be doing a Christmas program. It's our fourth annual holiday sing-along. And so we have done this along with Doreen um, Sturba de Jure, who is our chaplain. And um, we'll be doing this on the 20th of December. Mm -hmm. But Patty and I also do some other work. Um, he is often the cantor at the church services, the Catholic worship services where I play. And um, so I play for him, and then sometimes Doreen will play, and Patty and I will sing. So it's been a real pleasure getting to know Patty. <laughs> so tell just tell our audience what Patty does at at Plymouth Place. Well, Patty is the director of. Um, I think it's called. Well, it is the director of development and outreach uh, financially. Yeah. And he is basically the head of the fundraising for Plymouth Place, but he's so much more than that because Patty just appears, you know, he just, he walks the <laughs> halls and pops out of his office and he just knows how to schmooze everybody. And they all love <laughs> right. Patty, that's for yeah. sure. That's right. <laughs> uh, anyway. um, so let me just switch gears a second. Cause you, when we talked before, Susan, you told me that you were you're taking a memoir writing course and you're looking at your life in four acts. Well, guess what? <laughs> now do you have, have you added another one? Oh, well, yes. I, I'm basically writing War and Peace. My husband, <laughs> kind of the Reader's Digest version, and he sent his off to the kids and they all loved it. And it was about 80 pages long, including photographs. I decided since I hadn't reviewed this in a while, what were my four acts until I got to my fifth act, which it looks like I haven't written yet. I have one on my schooling, all my educational places. I have another one on careers, another one on homes that I lived in. There have been 11 moves in my adult life. And that keeps you pretty good at remaking curtains and I could turn <laughs> curtains into valances and what have you. And also meeting nice people wherever we move. And then 
my retirement and what's next is the fifth act. So I still have that work to do. <laughs> if I could just stay home long enough, maybe I <laughs> get this done before, while I can still remember. <laughs> can you give us a hint about what about what you might put into the next act? Oh, my goodness. Well, our retirement, um, Hank and I were very fortunate to be able to spend a lot of time traveling. That was one of the things when we met in 1985 that we determined that we both loved to travel. So he had some business trips that we were I was able to go along. And then after retirement, um, we really focused on just getting around and seeing the world. And we had friends that we visited in many countries. And I think we've gone to almost all the continents, except he's been to Africa. I have never made it to Africa and to Antarctica. And I think the other one, um, we never made it in the United States to North Dakota. And I we were all set to go to North Dakota, you know, get off the plane, kiss the ground, and then <laughs> pop back on the plane so we would have visited all 50 states. However, COVID interfered with this. And uh, so we're still wishing we, um, you know, we may make it still. Well, I, I, I grew up in Minnesota, so I know something about North Dakota. Oh. Yes, yes. and the Teddy Roosevelt National Park, and yeah, it's it's worth uh, doing more than just kissing the ground. Okay, well, we we're well, a little kept bit secret. Of, yes, okay. Well, thank you. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> so, so, um, Gail, you look like you're ready to say something. Well, you you spoke a, a moment ago about breast cancer. Yes, and uh, I know you've had some issues in your life, including breast cancer, and divorce and illness and your husband has too how are you thinking about that what what it seems like your life has just gone on and you have such verve and and you know you see life from a very delicious point of view so I'm well I I thank you for asking about that Gail I would have to say that Hank and I both have tried to view our setbacks you know with divorce and other physical illnesses now with where it can be a learning lesson. I think probably the worst thing that happened to me was when I broke my kneecap. And that was just awful because Hank became <laughs> my uh, nurse during my convalescence, eight weeks with my leg in a cast. And it was just a really hard time. I think it was even worse than the breast cancer. That seemed to be, you know, I had such good support. And I guess that's the key is through all of these things, um, I always have tried to say, okay, I'm going to learn from this experience and try to grow in my life and to understand, you know, something new about my situation, about me and those I relate to. And then I think, um, I don't know, I have a great, Hank and I both have a very strong faith. We're both been active in our churches through the, because I was a church choir singer, of course, for many years, as, as was he. And so our faith uh, matters to us very much. Also, we have wonderful family and, you know, they stepped up to the plate. And then friends. I have friends going back to kindergarten. We're still in touch. I then added more another group in college, sorority sisters. And until rather recently, we were still getting together other, every other year. And so I just have always had this wonderful support system. So I figure you can either stay home and feel sorry for yourself, or you can get up and get out and learn from the experience and try to, to make the best of it. 
So that's it. <laughs> it sounds like you find yourself in good company with other residents at Plymouth Place. Is that you have oh. many, many people with that similar attitude? Absolutely. I think, you know, I, this issue of age, ageism was something that I know you're dealing, you're, that's the point of your podcast. And I was reflecting on ageism. And I'd have to say that since we've been at Plymouth Place, I have really never experienced ageism. The staff is so kind to us. They never treat us. They never look down on us. They always are engaged and working so hard behind the scenes to make life work for us. And I find the other residents, you know, certainly there are people with health issues and there are some people who are, you know, kind of maybe life has taught, uh, given them a tough life and they, they aren't maybe the most positive. But for the most part, I find people here are just just making it. We we do more than just make it. We have fun. And there is a, a group of particularly in the independent living of folks that go to things, they go out, there are excursions, there are trips, there are meals out, then there are so many activities physically for the for the mind, body, and spirit during the course of the day that you could just be out every hour without ever resting. So I have to pace myself. I, mm -hmm. That's something that I work hard. Hank and I try not to get overbooked because the calendar comes out at the beginning of the month and we look at everything and I decided I'm going to go through and I'm going to highlight all of the things that spark joy in my heart. And I went through with my yellow pencil and everything on the calendar sparked joy. And I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't do everything. So anyway, but the, the residents here are a very interesting mix of people from various socioeconomic levels, a lot of teachers, people in education, people interested in learning. Um, politics are really never discussed. And uh, that's probably a very good thing in this contentious world we live in. So people kind of know who's on which side of the, the political fence, but um, it's not really an issue. And we have uh, a social justice program now here with a prison, um, a ministry for, to write uh, letters to prisoners. I mean, there's just people move in here and they come in with their background and their ideas. And suddenly we've got a new program scheduled. So uh, we're fortunate. We do a lot of, there's a group that's interested in cuisine and of eating healthy foods and more, you know, more going to the vegetarian or vegetable plant-based meals. And so there's a group that supports that. So there's just no end. The writing group, of course, Catherine's, there's another, a travel writing group that's still going. Mm -hmm. There's a, a radio group. There's a wonderful gentleman who's 97 years old, and he wrote all these radio scripts back in the day. And so that's a new group that's just mm -hmm. started where people go and they read these scripts that are like Fibber McKee and Molly and Jack Benny, and it's just out. Oh. <laughs> So, um, Susan, besides the your singing, which I know you're very involved with, and the uh, memoir writing, what else do you gravitate to? What other activities? Well, um, when I have spare moments, because I am playing for at least um, two worship services in, of Catholic worship mass, and then I play two Protestant services a month, mm -hmm. plus my singing groups goes to three levels, of care and that's 
you know, that takes, I have to practice. <laughs> I can't just right. sit down and, and, you know, have it come out. So um, then the music is, is taking a great deal of time, but I am involved with the, um, trying to think, these different activities. I love the programs that where there's life enrichment kind of things that I try to make. Hank and I both make as many of those. There are movies. Or we have movie night twice a week. And there are some fun movies. And then, of course, there, oh, there's a new series by a former um, professor from Maine who has a series on inventors, the great inventors. And we've gone every week. And then there's going to, he's going to pick up, he has all these DVDs that he shows. And then we talk about it before and then what these inventors did and how it affected our lives. And then afterward, the, the next series is going to be on um, composers and their history. Oh, so nice. I, it just endless. I, I wish I could, if you looked at the schedule here, you would be as <laughs> I think impressed as, as we are. Sounds like a liberal arts curriculum. Well, it is, it yeah. really is. And I think there, there are courses on history and course, oh, there are courses. There's an art connoisseurs and we're, we've been going through um, the various artists particularly uh, from the um, impressionists on, and she's just getting into Dadaism and so forth. And mm -hmm. she has wonderful credentials. She's educated at the Art Institute. There is a, there's a weaving group, a knitting group, a, uh, all kind of just, <laughs> <Awesome. Thank you. laughs> I, and I, I don't participate in all of those things. I did try at arts and crafts. They're constantly having art classes. Hank is really getting to be, He's, he's really into his um, watercolor painting. They have an excellent teacher. And he just makes certain that he gets there all the time. And um, I just think that uh, there's just something for everybody. But they do talk about this, this keeping the mind, body, and spirit. There are exercise classes of every kind, of Tai Chi, yoga, um, muscles in motion, and then there's aquatic classes where the new facility will have a beautiful swimming pool with a jacuzzi, and they are going to expand the aquatic classes there too. So there are people that do water aerobics, and that's very exciting. So um, it's just, <laughs> you can keep busy for the moment of the day. <laughs> So, um, Susan, you had mentioned to me before that your family is very important to you. And other than just saying you have your dear husband of 40 years and your children and grandchildren, great. What would you like to, to say? Tell us about your family. Oh, my goodness. Well, when Hank and I got together in 1985, we had grown children. They, there were I have a son and a daughter and I uh, Hank has three boys. And so it wasn't long before these children of ours who were um, in college and out of college at the time, they went forth and they got married and then they multiplied. And that's why we have these 10 grandchildren. And we really try to get together with them as often as we can. Right now, however, we have my son lives in Hawaii with his wife. My daughter lives in Texas. And then um, the various grandchildren live you know, in, in the same places. And then we have a family in Florida, a family in um, two families in Chicago area. So we get together as often as we can. And then when all else fails, we get the Zoom calls and thank goodness for Zoom and for FaceTime. So we stay in touch. We're a very close knit family. And then 
because everybody loves Cape Cod so much, most of the family members get out there for the summer. Mm-hmm. And um, they had a number of them that were there had for a month. And, you know, we have a couple of, of uh, folks that are near retirement. So they, and everybody seems to be working from their computer these days so they could go to Cape Cod and, you know, get on their computer and carry on their business. So and then go out in the boat and have a little fun in between. <laughs> Are you and Hank able to go to Cape Cod? Well, we were until last year. Hank had been going to Cape, uh, this particular place on the Cape. It's called Seconset Island. And he began going there when he was two years old. Hank is a Bostonian and a Rhode Islander. So um, his folks started going there many years ago. And we have, um, we had a kind of a, uh, it was called like a fishing cottage that were, was one place. And then they're, they bought up some other property. So um, we now have a, a other large home that can accommodate. I think the most we ever slept was 22. But I must say that that was with every every possible kind of bedroll and army cot, et cetera. People were practically on top of each other. It was a lot of fun. But anyway, because of Hank's Parkinson's, he's not able to travel anymore for particularly long distance travel. So Last year was our last year. We said goodbye, and now we look at the pictures, and we the family calls us when uh, they're out in the boat, or you know, going to the lobster roll place, or whatever. All of our favorite haunts. So we're we're still feeling. And I stay in touch. There's a book group out there of women. I must say they have a very active women's group. It's a Sakonsin Island Book Club. And these women are forces to be reckoned with. They have <laughs> taken on many a project and they are avid readers. And so I try when I can to read. And then we have a Zoom meeting where we talk about the book. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Well, you're my role model, that is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. And you know, the thing is that at Plymouth Place, there are people who are so inspirational. I was just with this 97-year-old woman. I came from a, a little meeting and she is just so perky and has. she lives by herself. And, and there is a, a woman of 107, I believe, um, Marianne Gibbs is our oh. most elder oh. member. And she is very alert. And I, at the, after the Christmas program last year, the holiday sing-along, lo and behold, there was a thank you note on my shelf outside the door. I couldn't believe Mary Jane took time to write us a thank you note. But there are just people like this. And the men, too. Not as many men, I must say. We have noticed that... Um, the women certainly are outliving the men for the most part, but um, the women and and those who are in independent living, and some the folks in um, the second floor are assisted living are also a lot of them are very mentally alert. They may have physical problems, but they're still mm-hmm. you know, trucking along, and they'll get their walkers out and they come down and join us for meals and for the programs. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have another thing called Dole Hall Presents. I forgot to say that. That's something, a program of every about every two weeks. And we bring in professional folks, um, this, the committee who organizes this. We've had lyric opera people. We've had um, all kinds of musical and um, mm-hmm. you know, theatrical impersonators who will do it. Like we had somebody do Eleanor Roosevelt or and Harry Truman wasn't too long ago. So those are evening programs. But there was also music in our pub every uh, every Tuesday and sometimes alternate Saturdays. 
They have pub music, and this these are people connected with the Old Town School of Folk Music. Mm. And now they've introduced another group, um, another program on Sunday afternoons, which is very popular. Sunday afternoon was kind of a quiet time before. And now um, every other week, there's a program in Dole Hall. We just saw the Illinois Philharmonic Orchestra. Mm. They had a, um, a wind quintet that performed last Sunday. So we keep busy. Very, very, very. <laughs> well, my goodness, is there any, we, we need to close in just a minute, but is there anything else you would like to share with our audience about, you've said quite a bit about how you, um, kind of your philosophy of life and, and how you think about aging. Was there anything else you'd like to add? Well, at this point, I think I'm about <laughs> out of uh, conversation. I, I don't know that I can add anything more except to say thank you for what you're doing mm -hmm. because we know that this is so important for us to keep talking about this issue. I, I had, I'll share one final experience with me when I felt old. I was um, coming back from a trip to Texas. Uh, there was a family gathering down there and I got to O'Hare Airport and I called the Uber to come and pick me up. Well, I waited there. I had my suitcase and my carry-on and I was really bound with my luggage. So I, I stood there on the curb and then I finally called Plymouth Place and I said, do you have a telephone number for me to call? So. I called the number and lo and behold, the poor driver had a daughter that had fallen down the steps. He had the only car, so he was on the way to the hospital. Well, you can't get too mad about that. So I called a second Uber and then that Uber had a man who talked to me in a foreign language, which unfortunately I could not speak, but he was talking about cars and, and what color the car was or what color the license plate. Well, I was standing there and everybody around me was at least 10 feet tall. It was rush hour, everybody was in a hurry and I stood there feeling very old and decrepit and then I'm really just invisible. And then I called the third and I had a lovely man who kind of called me down because by that time I was in tears. I thought I was going to have to sleep at the Hilton Hotel on one of the couches because three hours had passed for what should have been a half an hour ride. So that was my experience when I really noticed ageism out there for those folks who are still out there in the real world. I live in a little bubble here and I'm very grateful that I don't have to cope with that every day. Well, <laughs> thank you. It's delightful. Thank you, Susan, so much for being with us today. We really enjoyed talking with you. Well, thank you so much for what you do. And it's been my pleasure. Bye-bye now. Okay, thank you. Well, Hi. listeners, we thank you for your loyalty. Because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas. This is a good thing. Still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Play and YouTube. So support women over 70. Join Aging Reimagined Circle and let your voice be heard. Help us change the conversation about women aging. Music